0: Jaspreet Boparai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio.
1: Hello and welcome back to Greenwashed with me, Jaspreet Boparai and my co-host Don Nicholson. And I'm very pleased to welcome today, Gemma Rasmussen from Consumer NZ. Welcome, Gemma. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on at rather short notice. And it was Don, actually, who noticed and who, in fact, pointed out that Consumer NZ would be a great fit for Greenwashed. So, Don, what were your thoughts?
0: Well, exactly. um, Because we um, have the show called Greenwashed, and I saw as a member of Consumer, I thought, oh, that's um using the word uh, better better investigate that a bit further. So with a bit of um email traffic to it and fro, we've got this this interview with Gemma, and I'm very, very pleased to have have it. um yeah, you know, it's interesting. the term greenwashed hasn't been in the parlance of society really, unless you're really interested in it. and so what what Gemma sort of made this come to the forefront of consumer thinking? Uh, the consumer organization thinking what was that what was the trigger that sort of because you're developing a, a concept a project and that's the key here you're doing a project on it what was the trigger
2: sure so what we noticed was um in other countries uh in australia and um, the uk and the eu there seemed to be a lot of investigation going into the greenwashing space so regulators were doing um, multiple industry-wide sweeps to look at when products were sold um particularly products that were marketed as sustainable, whether when you really dug into uh, what was being sold, whether those claims could be verified or if they were in fact misleading. And what was found in all countries was there was a pretty high degree of um, greenwashing. And when I say that, I mean a claim or an insinuation that something is environmentally friendly when really you dig into it and, and it isn't so much um, and what we have found you know there's a lot of research papers out there that show the more sustainable a product is the higher uh, the likelihood that someone is going to buy it or that they're going to pay a premium perhaps over another item that doesn't have any green claims. So with that um, with that in mind we really were interested to see what the landscape in New Zealand was like in relation to greenwashing and um, it was the regulators that were doing the work in the space in terms of these industry sweeps so in New Zealand there's the Commerce Commission um and and we were interested to see what work they'd done they've put out really great guidelines to businesses about what they can and can't say with products but there does seem to be a disconnect at the moment with what the guidelines are and what companies are actually doing in terms of greenwashing? Um, we think there could be a little bit of a case of it's like that thing when there are all the cars on the road are driving 110 kilometers, and you know that you know you're probably not going to get stopped because because everyone's doing it. There is a little bit of that in New Zealand, and we are relying on. Uh, we're relying on someone, um, either a competitor or a member of the public, alerting the Commerce Commission, then it being investigated, then it potentially um, going to court, and then there potentially being prosecution. So there's a really low chance right now for businesses actually being pinned for greenwashing. And the other thing that we know is it's really hard for people to identify what greenwashing actually is. So if you're looking at a product on a shelf and it's got a green leaf and some eco-friendly words, how how do you distinguish what is truly sustainable and what is not?
0: Yeah, so and that was my next question, and I you know I, I think I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Um, effectively, sustainability seems to mean a lot of different things to different people. So how can you be rigorous about what sustainability is if if we've got this sort of variance in people's thought processes?
2: Well, it's actually it is really hard for people to know. I think when you think about a lot of the items that people are buying, particularly at the supermarkets, you're making really quick decisions. You might have your kids, you might have somewhere that you need to be. Um, So our investigator, it took her hours to actually uh, ascertain whether a claim was real or whether it was just marketing spin. And this involved going to companies, asking them what they meant specifically by the things that they had written, kind of having to read through some marketing spin. And and so if it's taking a senior investigator that amount of time to understand what is, in fact, greenwashing and what's a real claim, it just means that members of the public really have no hope, um, which is why we feel there needs to be um, stronger legislation and, and, and rules around what people, what what companies can and can't do in this space.
0: So... So the buyer beware um argument isn't isn't for you necessarily. I mean, I accept again, I'm playing the devil's advocate mm. here. Um, buyer beware has always been sort of how it is. Yeah. Uh um the regulator that regulations that are around it at the moment aren't um robust enough. Is that what you're saying? I think uh, or, so. or they're just unenforceable. They're unenforceable because they're a bit loose.
2: I think that there's good guidance. I think technically. Under the law, under the Fair Trading Act, you can't be misleading customers. Technically, if we were all going to follow the letter of the law, then these companies wouldn't be able to do what they're doing. But the current system isn't working because the guidance isn't being picked up on. Um, if people can't identify greenwashing, how do they know to report it? If it's not being reported, then people aren't being penalized. So that you know, there there would occasionally be examples, but we did a really um, rudimentary basket analysis. So it was just a few items from the supermarket and we found that it was, you know, pretty pro- prolific what, what was being claimed, which highlights that that there is a problem here. And I guess if you look at other countries and, and sort of what they're doing, so, um, you know, some countries are banning terms like the words eco and sustainable and things like that because you could have a... Um, a window cleaner or a um, a spray and wipe, and it could be called eco-clean, TM, so that's a trademarked word, um, and not have to have any green uh, claims or, or anything substantiated behind that at the moment. And I think it's really fair that if someone is at the supermarket and they see a nice kind of brown... Spray bottle, and it says eco, and there's some leaves, and you know, some calming, natural imagery on the front. Yeah, fair enough. Like you'd buy that, and 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 you might be passing up exactly the, a really similar product next to it, which doesn't have any of these green clubs and you could be paying a premium. And really, that's just marketing spin.
0: And I have a feeling I've been caught up in that in the past, and I know my family Me certainly too. has been. Yeah, so, absolutely.
1: Uh, I think it's likewise, really understandable. I've sometimes looked at products and they say home compostable. But no, they are actually not. There's a mix of other products in them, and there's a whole lot of other small print that goes with it. And suddenly those things are not really compostable that you think. And That's right. That's there are terms weird. like planet-conscious marked on products. hmm it would mean
2: it could be anything to anyone. That's a very ambiguous term. That's right. So I think that people are able to um, have quite ambiguous terms at the moment, and then also around compostability. You know, we don't have infrastructure in New Zealand for industrial composting at the moment. So um, technically, something could be compostable if that framework existed, but it doesn't. So is it is it fair to say that something's compostable when when technically it isn't and I think the really hard thing with all of this is that so many shoppers are really conscientious. They do want to do the right thing. They are happier to spend a little bit more money, um, but they're not getting the whole picture here. And and one thing we have seen, particularly in the wake of the flooding um, and the cyclone that's happened, is that uh, people are feeling with with climate change that it's more you know on on their doorstep as opposed to a a global issue and they are wanting to take more action and and more change and and that can be through their purchasing habits
0: right right so so um I, you've you've gone through nine products um do you yep. want to just touch on a couple of them and, and explain what you found
2: sure absolutely um so one of the things that we looked at was a botanica Earwick, um a room spray and it says that it's planet conscious and nature inspired so um what does that mean what does planet conscious or nature inspired means we think that um that could lead people to think that that's better for the environment than it actually is when we reached out to the spokesperson for this company they said that the term nature inspired is subjective rather than scientific and it just means that when they're sourcing the essential oils they're doing it responsibly um and they're getting ingredients from nature so what on earth that means uh if you know please let me know because i i'm not sure about that um as i was saying about this you know not having industrial compostable facilities in new zealand dilma teas um they on their packet that said biodegradable tea bags. I think for a lot of people, if they think biodegradable, they're thinking they can chuck it in their home compost and it's going to break down. That's not what it means. People are not able to get these to industrial composting facilities, which means that basically they're just going in the bin. Um, and 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 so we think that the term biodegradability is a stretch. And Dilma Tea actually removed, um that claim from their packaging after we raise those concerns with them Um, another one that was kind of interesting it it brings into this question around best best practice so there were some uh, wipes some baby wipes and um, they claim to be compostable and technically they are but what do you do with baby wipes you clean babies when they've you know had an accident. So that's wheeze or, or poo's and, and you can't put things like that in the compost. So in terms of best practice, you have to put it in the bin. There's no way that you can be putting these wipes in the compost. So to be making these claims when you know that they're actually going to end up in the bin is is problematic. And this this baby wipe had the term earth smart TM. So again it's a it's a vague and and meaningless claim. Um you know, with the idea that that people might think that it's a bit greener than it is.
1: Gemma, I was also looking at uh, one report that on the consumer page you've done on the carbon neutrality, Mm -hmm. and more specifically those claims by the warehouse group that states it's New Zealand's most sustainable retailer since 2019. Mm -hmm. But what the report says that the warehouse's carbon calculation starts when it takes ownership of the products and it doesn't include the greenhouse gases emitted to produce the products. That's from nearly 500 factories in India and Bangladesh and China. That's amazing. And yet every time I walk into my local warehouse, that's the Mm -hmm. sign there.
2: We are carbon neutral that's right and and then they're not taking into consideration when those products leave and the breakdown as well and and a lot of the warehouses sustainability claims are based on goals that they have for the future as well so you know we really take issue with the warehouse positioning themselves as a as a sustainable company because how can you on one hand be selling single use disposable items for easter and Christmas and Halloween and and be promoting this really excessive, um, just for today, consumption and then at the same time be claiming to be sustainable and, and New Zealand's most sustainable company. Um, we really think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Do
1: we have regulators in other countries that have possibly clamped down upon this sort of thing that we are not doing right here?
2: Yeah, I think that we are a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to um, advertising standards and regulation in relation to uh, green claims and what you can and can't do. So this is something that we would really love to see change. And and we totally recognise that this is um, an emerging space. This is something that has really kind of snowballed in the last five to 10 years as people want you know more sustainable um, purchasing habits, but we think that companies are really savvy and they do understand the the buying um, power influence that it gives them. So I I do think that there is a little bit of a disconnect between between government and and where our current laws and frameworks are sitting. Compared to other countries, like if you look at the EU, they are they're really quite progressive, um, and and I think we do have a ways to come. But sometimes the problem in New Zealand can be um, you know there's multiple issues and what what gets prioritized.
0: So you know I, I look around uh, the streets of of New Zealand and the, and the countryside, often littered um it really annoys me uh, a lot of fast food packages and the like do you have you ever done a survey on the new zealanders that really do care about green um green products uh, with that inverted comma green um because it seems to me if we're supposedly getting to be a cleaner sort of country why is the litter seemingly worse um than i can ever recall you know, yeah. I live in we live in Southland and um I every time I drive to the city, I just get so despondent with with the litter bugs.
2: Yeah, I think there's um there's definitely pockets of of society that are really passionate and concerned about climate change and, and about making a, a green a green sustainable choice. Um, but that is possibly not across the board. Um I know that when we look at shopper considerations, what has really come to the forefront beyond anything now is price. Price is is trumping everything because of a cost of living crisis. So a lot of people may, um, in the past, have been concerned about sustainability, or maybe they never have, but what their primary concern is is the here and now and and being able to afford things and, and get through and potentially worrying about the climate may be um, a luxury that they don't have. Mm. It's
1: amazing how economic reality and, you know, the reality check that gives you right now. Mm. And I, I can Absolutely. completely identify with that as a mother. And You know, for a family, you go shopping. Often it's it's the supermarkets where people are feeling the biggest pinch. And I mm. I watch shopping behaviour around me. As a farmer, I just, just tend to and see what are they putting in their baskets. And you often see... You have green credentials on certain meats, certain products. People are just going for the bargain. I doubt anything else is crossing their mind, regardless of whatever the sticker says. It's a dollar that trumps.
2: Yeah, and that's really understandable. I think um, in the last year for people going to the supermarkets, it's starting to get really scary that you go in for a top-up. You might be grabbing six items and you're paying like $100 or $120 for a, for just a few items, whereas that maybe used to be half your weekly shop or something like that. So, um, you know, we do really um, empathise with people who are just trying to get by and make the best choices. And it may be that they have to go for a product that isn't going to last as long and end up in landfill because that's all they can afford, or they're not going to be able to prioritise a sustainable choice or an ethical choice because you know, the focus is on feeding their family and, and, and getting through the week.
1: Or even in the case that if they can't afford, I'd be a lot more infuriated when I was, you know, hard-pressed for my budget to buy something with green credentials that didn't turn out to be what they were promised.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really frustrating thing, and, and it would be fair enough if people were, um, you know, feeling upset and and misled about how much they had spent on things if it didn't actually turn out to be particularly sustainable or green at all.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, balls in the air to um, make this sort of stuff land. Um, Yeah. How how many people are involved in your project within Consumer? Is it is it a huge project? Is it well resourced? Is there um is there a finite term on it? Uh, Is it Mm -hmm. like the end of this year? Will you have a report done?
2: So we are a really small team at Consumer. We have got about fifty people, and that's across you know our our writers, um, our podcast team finance, like the whole business is, is fifty people. So we are relatively small fry. And um, you know, one of our biggest constraints is having enough money to do things. We're member based. And so what we're currently looking at right now is um you know approaching uh potentially government or philanthropic partners for um, for funding to help us do this because we do have some resourcing to put at it but we'd love more because what we really want to do is something similar to what the regulators overseas have done and to do a multiple industry wide sweep of um, greenwashing claims so that would include you know uh, beauty products and textiles and um, you know uh, cleaning products and across the board because we really think that the the first step in this is to get an understanding of how big the problem is in New Zealand. Um, and then that can help push, make the push for legislative change. So um, that's when our advocacy arm um, comes comes into play. So our, our policy and advocacy team, there's about five of us and and we'll be really looking to kind of, you know, use, use um, the reach that we have through media and through our members and supporters um, to get people on board and um, to to check out the campaign and, and help push for that change. So if anyone, um, if any of your listeners are interested, so simply type type in consumer and greenwashing and, and you can check out the campaign page and sign up to become a supporter and, and get updates if that's of interest to you. Yeah,
0: sure. and on top of that, it's, uh, to be a member of the consumer um, organisation is not that expensive for the advice that you can get if you are interested in household products and, and the like. I mean... What you're doing here is sort of a new direction, isn't it? It's for, for consumer. On yeah, it
2: water. is. We um in terms of the advocacy work that we have are doing, we are well, one. We're we're trying to be uh, more focused across rather than just you know general day to tr- day trader conflict or product testing. We're thinking about things like data privacy and cost and and health and um, housing and and climate change and sustainability and things like that so we are broadening our focus but we are also trying to be more interactive with our supporters and members so i think traditionally we we had an article um and a magazine and and we had the website and we provided information but we are really interested in actually hearing what what people think and, and hearing about their experiences and and using that as a basis to advocate for change and and to create a more positive environment for people where they can go out and and feel empowered and and make decisions that they're confident with. So, yeah.
1: All good. And Gemma, I'm conscious of the time and I know you have to go. Thank you so much for your time today with Reality Check Greenwash. And we'd love to have you back when you folks are back, you know, with your Mm -hmm. report and learn more about greenwashing in New Zealand. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great
0: to talk to you both. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks, Gemma. Jaspreet
2: Boparai and
0: Don Nicholson with Greenwash on RCR, Reality Check Radio.